Welcome to Last First State Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. This is episode number 405 with Dr. Alan Laika and Harriet Tinka, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. Hi, everybody. I'm Sandy Weiner, and welcome to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late for love and that a woman of value naturally attracts the respect and rewards she deserves in life and in love. This week's tip on becoming a woman of value is learn to receive graciously. We have a lot of problems receiving. It's much easier to give than to receive. And so my challenge for you today is to just say thank you when somebody offers to give you something. And right now, as we're taping this, we're in the middle of the pandemic. And there are a lot of people, especially the older people who cannot leave the house, who cannot do grocery shopping, and are having trouble asking for help and receiving it. So do somebody a favor. And when someone does you a favor, it is a gift. Receive it. And speaking of woman of value, have you downloaded a copy of my new book yet? Uh, it was published a couple of weeks ago. It's called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and in Love in, on Amazon. It's available for Kindle and paperback. So head over there after you listen to this and go get a copy of my book. And before I bring our guests on today, I want to just let you know that I have a fantastic Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date. And we are a place of positive support. Very few groups for singles allow people to grow. It's more of a place to vent. And this is not what I'm all about. So if you're interested in a place that's not just about venting and telling everybody that, that men are terrible people, and you're a woman who's over 40 and looking for support, join us at your last first date. And now for my guests, I have two of them. Today, you have a double your pleasure with Dr. Alan Laika and Harriet Tinka. So Dr. Alan Laika is one of the leading cosmetic dermatologists in the world. He was a pioneer in cosmetic surgery and developed many new technologies. He has spoken on podiums all around the globe. In 2003, he was diagnosed with ALS and given six months to live. But after fighting that diagnosis, he's here today as a result of his courage and determination. Having been given a golden ticket, he used his experience to co-author the book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life with Harriet Tinka, and, she, and he speaks to groups around the world about transforming lives. I love that. Harriet is a perfect example of finding a need in the community and filling it. She's known by her students as a powerhouse role model, passionate life coach, a blogger, a chartered professional accountant, a football official, and an ultra marathon runner. She is the founder and CEO of the award-winning social enterprise. And she describes her life as moving from tragic to magic. And we're going to find out what happened to her in just a minute? Welcome to the show, Alan and Harriet. Thank you, Sandy. Yeah, thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. Alan, you heard from a doctor you have six months to live, so you better get your affairs in order, in order but you didn't really buy it. So tell us, tell us what inspired you, first of all, how you felt, but what inspired you to, to really push against this 
this diagnosis. You know, those are probably some of the cruelest words you'll ever hear in the world, get your affairs in order. So immediately I asked the doctor if they could prove it. And he said, yes, easily. He said, on autopsy. So, but those cruel words, I was ready to fight. You know, when you go through a process of dying, you go through the process of anger, denial, bargaining, depression. These are the phases that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross defined as being important phases when a person's dying. Now, they don't happen as individual things. They all happen at once. You're angry, you're depressed, you bargain, you do this all in a second. And I, I tell you, the, the human emotion is really one where people uh, are, are human. You have emotions, you think about this. Now, why didn't I accept it? I've always asked myself that question. There's no easy answer to that. But you know, when you go through a process like this, I think you fall back to what you're made out of. You really, I've been a fighter all my life. I really have been one that has picked myself up by my own bootstraps, tried hard, I've worked hard, and I knew in my heart of hearts I didn't have ALS. My wife's a doctor as well, and I asked her, what do I have? And she said, I haven't got the faintest idea, but you're smart, you can figure it out. So I did go through a process of figuring out. And in 2003, they had just invented this primitive thing called the internet. You might have heard about it. It was <laughs> starting. To get on it back then, you had to use dial-up connections. And computers had very little memory. So you had to use a language called DOS to get on it. You might have heard of DOS. It's one of those primitive languages that's still being used, by the way. So what I learned then is there are people with a lot more knowledge than I did. So I relied on them, and I looked up every disease in the world that looked like ALS but was not ALS. So I found an answer in Colorado Springs, Colorado. There was a doctor there by the name of David Martz who went through exactly what I did, but he diminished much more rapidly. He was on his deathbed when a doctor from Texas came up to say goodbye to David. And he looked at David and said, David, you don't have ALS. Well, David said, what do I have? The doctor from Texas said, I think you have something called chronic Lyme's disease. You've been bitten by a tick and it's mimicking this disease called ALS. Chronic Lyme's disease mimics every disease. So he said, well, how, what do I do? He said, I'm gonna start you on some antibiotics or you're going to get better. Well, I hooked up with David. I went down to Colorado Springs, Colorado, and he started me on treatment as well. And that's why after 16 years, I was still able to be one of the top cosmetic doctors in the world. I was able to do everything. I excelled at my profession. Now, I stepped away from that last year to help people understand a greater meaning of life. I thought it was time to serve in another capacity and really help people get to a higher understanding of things. And that's why I wrote this book called The Secrets of Living a Fantastic Life, co-authored with Harriet Tinka. And she, she had a similar path to mine, although different. We, we, both dealed, uh, we both dealt with adversity and we came back. And that's what I want to emphasize here. It's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. And that's how you overcome anything. That's how you overcome COVID. That's how you overcome all these things. 
by a greater knowledge, by a greater understanding. And that's what I was fortunate enough to do. I can relate to so much of your story. And I, uh, first of all, I have a neighbor with ALS who's been living with it for probably 16 years, very compromised, uh, was told he had a very short time to live as well. And every year, even though he can't talk anymore and he's completely compromised, he uses the computer with his eyes, he's able to, to function. And he, he is just has a lot of fight left in him. It's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, but I'm glad that you did not have ALS and that you found a cure and you were able to turn your life into a, a inspiration to others uh, I agree so much that our path is, you know, our challenges create who we are. We are, we, we are sort of refined and the good comes out and the bad comes out. And in my own life, and I'll share this really quickly, um, during the first year of my marriage, I was pregnant, gave birth to a child with a genetic disease that was misdiagnosed. And um, I knew in my heart that he had a different disease and I pushed for the diagnosis. And this was in 1986, this is before the internet. <laughs> this is before we had it. So I predate you. Um, my mother went to Einstein to the university hospital and found a book once we, once we found the diagnosis, which was not a good one. It was a genetic um, fatal disease, unfortunately. But I found this inner warrior in me to help fight for him. And I didn't know I was capable of this level of, of fight and even to have so much medical knowledge about something I knew nothing about, but that I had to become the expert in order to teach the doctors. So unfortunately, my son only lived to be five, but all along the way, I learned so much about who we are as people. Uh, and so I, I can so relate to your story, and I'm glad that you're taking your, your gift to the world, um, even though you've given so many other gifts to the world well, through your work. It is really wonderful, Sandy. You know, I'm going to borrow some words of Harriet here. She calls it from tragic to magic. And it's the stressors in life that really define who we are. It's the challenges that define who we are. If everything was just a catwalk, we would never become great people. You would never become courageous unless you're stressed to do so. And I think it's those stresses we have to be, although they're challenging, although they're heartbreaking at times, they really define who we are. They really make us better people. And and. You know, I really did not understand it at that time. I still have problems with dealing with that. But I think at the same time, you have to realize we would not become great if it wasn't for the great stresses on us that make us great. And, and these are the things that I think in this time of COVID are very important to realize. We could say COVID is terrible and just become asunder with it. We could become automatons and we could do just everything that we're supposed to do and so on. But if we do this in a logical, smart way, we can come out of this better than we went in. We can come out of this in a better way. And I love your challenge of people going out and helping people. And I'm going to ask your, your audience to do that as well. Go out there and help somebody today. 
You know, your neighbor might need something. You don't know who needs your help right now. There are so many people that don't have enough food on their table every day because they live day to day with just enough resources to live. And there is a huge amount of hunger going on right now. So I'm going to ask people to give to the food bank. Go out and help somebody with food. Go see, if you have a car, go to the grocery store for them and help them out. You know, it's just a wonderful thing you can do. It doesn't take any much longer. It doesn't take any much more time. It's just a little thing that you can give back. And giving really defines who we are as well. I agree. And turning the COVID tragic into magic, which is so important. So Harriet, you've been quoted. Now let's hear your story of turning your tragedy into transformation and magic. Oh, thank you, Sandy. First, I wanted to thank you for sharing that story about your son. That's really, as a mother, you can really feel the pain that you must have gone through. But it's part of our journey. And I think you it's, it's something that you, your pain, if you share your pain with others, it really does help them. And that's what we are doing with this book. Now for myself, I'm happy to share my story. And even today, it's surreal for me to even believe that I'm a domestic violence survivor. Here I was, an international model, walking the cutway, the catwalk, I mean, full of confidence. And yet I was, a, I, I was a victim of a stalker. So my story begins when I just finished working as an, an international model. I finished a career and I decided I needed a formal education because I didn't feel that career as a model was really something I wanted to carry on doing. So I was on another phase of my life. So I went to university. So it was at the university that I met a fellow student. He was charming. He was caring and he was so fond of me. Little did I know that his attraction to me was a psychological trap that was disguised in love that later on would become deadly. Now, I was your typical domestic violence, uh, uh, I guess, victim, you could say. I was young, I was naive, and I didn't really know the signs of an abusive relationship. As I got to know him, he became very, very abusive. He would yell, he would scream, but later on he would apologize. So I confused that for love and I thought everything was okay. And this kept going on and going on. And later on, he started stalking me. So I went to the university campus. I talked to them and they asked me to get a restraining order. That would mean he would never come near me. So I was quite happy. I thought life was good. So one afternoon, actually one evening, I was walking home from the university from working on a very, very detailed project. So when I was in the, my apartment building, in the elevator, he, as I got into the elevator, I had no idea there was anybody in the elevator. I was busy looking for my keys, you know, in my mind, I was busy thinking of different things. So he grabbed me by my neck, took me out of the elevator and dragged me into his vehicle. And as we were driving, he was yelling and screaming and he was so abusive saying, why would you ever do this? You know, I'm the only man in the world who loves you. Why would you put a restraining order against me? And he got so abusive and he was yelling. And as we were driving, we happened to run into a telephone booth. And now at this point, neither one of us had cell phones as we do today. He looked at the phone booth and he said to me, Harriet, 
You see that telephone booth? I want you to get out of the car and I want you to call your parents and say goodbye to them because this is the last time they'll ever hear from you. And at that point, I thought to myself, no, I'm not going to. I said to him, no. He looked at me in anger this time because I was not obeying him, so to speak. He said, I'm going to ask you one more time, Harriet. Get out of this car, go call your parents and say goodbye to them. Again, I said, no. He said, in the back of my car, I have a rope, I have a knife and gasoline. I am going to wrap up your body with a rope, cut your body in pieces and set you on fire. Now, are you going to call your parents? Again, I said, no. And he gets so angry, he's, he reached over the glove compartment right next to me. He took out a knife and he stabbed me two times on my leg and there was blood gushing everywhere in front of about, it, it, it all gushed on the windshield. And I blacked out. And even today, I honestly do not remember how I got from that point to the hospital. So when I woke up, I opened up my eyes and the doctor and my father were there. And the doctor told me and my father that I'll probably never ever walk again, or if I do, it's gonna take a long time. So when I heard those words, I was so depressed. There I was, an international model, walking the runways full of confidence. Now, I was a cripple and I was depressed. So the only thing that separated my confidence and depression was this trauma. So I was feeling sorry for myself. I was asking God, why me, why me? You know, you go through that phase where you begin to ask, why would this something like this happen to me? I'm a beautiful person. I've done so much in the world. Why this? So after feeling sorry for myself, I realized I had to go for physiotherapy. So one afternoon I was there going through physio and a little girl walks into the hospital waiting room, feeling very happy and, and very engaged. And I wanted to ignore her. Anyway, the details are in the books, but just to summarize it quickly, she was my turning point. It was her story that she shared with me that made me realize I need to do something with my trauma and use my trauma as a purpose to help other people out there that are going through so many tragedies, so many ups and downs to inspire them. And just like Dr. Laika said, it's not what happens to you, it's what you do with what happens. So that messaging is so common to both of us and I'm sure a lot of your audience can share the same message. So I've decided with Dr. Laika, we decided to write a book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. And who better to teach it than someone who's been near death, um, threatened, disempowered, and rose up to inspire others. Wow. Thank you for sharing your story. I can't even imagine the fear of being threatened like that and left for dead. What gave you the courage to say no to him? That was something I always often wondered, but I, I believe my personality, I've always been the type of person who I believe in myself, have my integrity. If I don't believe in something, I'll stand up for myself. So I think having that gave me the power to really, really stay on top, even though it cost me, almost cost me my life. Mm. I still had my integrity. So you both had very similar experiences in that the crisis brought out a, a real lion 
lioness in you both this drive this force to not just take it lying down you know and to to move forward and inspire other people we say we found 13 golden pearls and the pearl is a metaphor it's a pearl of wisdom i think the pearl is a beautiful metaphor for this for the following reason what forms a pearl as a grain of sand gets in this in the shell of an oyster and the oyster really no, it hates it, but it walls it off. It puts this beautiful material called luster on it. And there's a specific type of pearl from the Philippines and Indonesia that makes a golden pearl that's extremely rare. And that pearl is formed because of the strife that it goes through. It goes through, through because of that strife, it makes this beautiful object. And I think that's what, what's so important about this. Harriet and I met several times and found we had a commonality and put these words together as a result of that. And you'll see in our book, there's a beautiful dialogue between us. And in that book, we also share a story of each of the golden pearls and show people how this golden pearl is really found inside of them and how these words of wisdom can come out so they can get the golden pearls without having to go through the strife that we've gone through. Yeah, I always love that analogy of the pearl or, you know, coal turning into diamond, you know, something that looks icky or is insignificant and unvaluable that it becomes valuable through a process. Uh, so that's a great analogy. And also that I didn't know about the golden pearl. Uh, that's, that's interesting but that we all have it inside us. So, um, so tell, us, tell us a little bit about what the golden pearls are. I will leave that to Harriet to say a little bit of okay. her favorite pearl, maybe. Uh, ladies first. <laughs> so the golden pearls, in fact, when we started writing our book, we came up with 20 golden pearls. Mm -hmm. And we thought, oh my, that's too much to share with the world. Let's just chop them in, in reasonable amounts. So we came up with 13 golden pearls. And each pearl, as Dr. Leica said, has a parable, a dialogue, and a, a moral story behind it that everybody can relate to. Now, it comes from um, uh, our experiences, of course. So for myself, forgiveness, of course, is one of my favorite. But right now, I think I'm going to say the pearl code purpose is my favorite. And the reason being, with the COVID going on right now, this is the time for most of us to question our purpose. What am I on this earth to do? And we've had isolation, so we've had time to really think about what we want to do. And I'm just going to paraphrase from a Dolly Parton where she says, everybody has a purpose. And I also like that quote from, from her. So when you, and the Japanese actually figured it out. They call it the Ikigai. That's one of the phenomena we use in our book. And what Ikigai means in Japanese is reason for being. And the reason for being asks you four questions. It's in four quadrants. So number one, you ask yourself, what is it that I love to do? Something that you love to do that even if you didn't get paid for, you would still do it. So that's question number one. And number two, what am I good at? You might be good with numbers. Maybe you could become an accountant. Maybe you're good at talking people. You could be a counselor. So that's question number two. What is it that you're, you're good at? And then number three, what does the world need? Or what does the community need? that you can fill in with all your talents. And then the last question is, what is it that I can do and still get paid for? 
because it's important, whatever you do, you want to get paid for because we have to live. So once you answer those four questions, what is it that I love to do? What does the world need? What am I good at? And what can I do and get paid for? So those four questions will give you your ikigai. Now, for me, I have found my ikigai, and that is to wake up every morning to help people find their, their fantastic life. So that's my ikigai, and everybody has their own ikigai. And Dr. Laika, what's your favorite golden pearl? <laughs> you know, I, I think my favorite pearl is enthusiasm. I, I think that's something that's very important. And it, would you mind if I tell a little story about enthusiasm, Sandy? Oh, please, love stories. Well, there was a carpenter by the name of Fred. He was getting tired. He was getting old. He was 65 years of age. He had worked for one company all his life, and he just had had it. So his enthusiasm was gone. So he went to his boss and said to his boss, I'm quitting. I just can't handle this anymore. His boss, you know, was taken aback. This was his master carpenter. This was his best carpenter. So he thought for a minute and said, Fred, can you just do one more job for me? Just one more. And, and Fred, you know, he said, you know, I've liked it here. This has been a fantastic career for me. I will do you that one more task. But, you know, the boss said, okay, build me one more house. One more house. Just one more. And he said, okay, I'll do it. Well, he did it. But his heart was not in it. He had lost his enthusiasm. He did shoddy workmanship. He just did a terrible job. And the house barely passed inspection. But you know, it did pass inspection. So he went back to his boss and said, okay, I'm done. Well, the boss said, just wait a minute. We're going to have a party. And they had their party. And he said, okay, I'm gone. I'm done. And he said, no, 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 no. Wait, my, I want to say a couple of words. He said to all the staff, he said, well, this is Fred's last day. I'm so honored that he worked for me for those 40 years. He did amazing work for me. Uh, and I want to give him a very special present because he did all this work. Fred, here's the keys to the last house that you created. I want you to enjoy this house for the rest of your life with all the enthusiasm that you have given me. Can you picture how different that story would be if he brought his usual enthusiastic self to work every day, Sandy? And I think that's what every one of us must do, because we do not know when that enthusiasm is going to matter. We do not know how we're going to make this a better place for everybody. And I think that's the one of the most important pearls that you'll have. Enthusiasm is something you must put on every day. It's something you must do. If you're not feeling into it, I think you should fake it till you make it. I think you should really try to be an enthusiastic person every day. It really makes all the difference in the world. That's a great story. And I, I agree. I think that if we are, as my daughter says, half-assing it, <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> It's pretty obvious, right? When when you don't when you feel that somebody is half halfway into something, half-heartedly doing something, it doesn't feel good either to the person doing it or the person receiving it. So Harriet says a couple of other words there. Harriet, you refer to <laughs> thinking. I love those words. Uh, stinking, stinking thinking. <laughs> well, say a little bit about stinking thinking and how it affects people, Harriet. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically, I, I suppose it's just you, you see things that are really not there and you just kind of create your own thinking or, or sometimes you even use other people's words to determine who you are. So really that's thinking, thinking. 
Yes, I love it. <laughs> and uh, uh, the other thing is that I, I know you talked about your book holding called Becoming a Woman of, of Value. So it, it just basically reminded me of one of the organizations that Dr. Laika actually used to sponsor every year called YWCA Women of Distinction. And this event was really about recognizing what the women had done with their lives to make a difference. And that's how I actually met Dr. Laika. He was such a big philanthropist and his goal was to support the women in the community. He was all about giving and supporting the women. So that's how I met him. And sometimes we all forget like how much Diff, the difference we can make in others by just doing the little things that we do. And that's how we can all become not just women of value, but people of value too. But I love that. Yes. <laughs> well, I still think in this day and age, Sandy, women are undervalued. I think that's something that I love it. society, yeah. it's, it, although we're less male dominated now, our society has been traditionally male dominated. And I think it's something very important that we try to honor women in our society. They're very important. You know, I think it's our love of our mothers that carried us to where we are. And I think that's really important. Now, Harriet has taught me that you could tell somebody when they weren't loved by their mother. What sort of things you look for there, Harriet? <laughs> it's just how they treat themselves, really. You can tell by the way they treat themselves, how they react on things that you do for them. Some people are not very good at receiving compliments. They always feel like they have to give it back right away. It's like, it's okay. You need to actually accept it. That's part of being nurtured, accepting yourself and loving yourself. Just a little stuff like that. It's all a mental mindset, too. The attitude. Absolutely. Yes. Mindset is everything. And you really can see when someone hasn't been nurtured by either parent, but often the mother is the most, is the nurturer of the children. Mm -hmm. And the women that come to me who are looking for relationships um, are often suffering from childhood issues that have not been resolved. And so we can become our own nurturing parent. And, and as we age and and give ourselves the kindness and compassion that we didn't get because we can't get it from people who aren't capable of giving it. Um, mm -hmm. Which brings me to um, my final question for both of you is that because this is a dating and relationship podcast, if you can just think of one way that people can use the pearls to improve their dating and relationships. I'd love to hear from both of you. Well, I'm going to get let ladies go first again. I'm <laughs> gracious and let uh, Harriet dip her toe into this one. I, I'm going to say, based on our golden pearls, as I said earlier, attitude is so important. And there's a lot of diseases of attitude, like self-doubt, worrying, complaining, that sort of thing. Now, when you when you love yourself completely, it really does not, it doesn't matter what anybody out there says about you, but it's so easy to start worrying about what is going on in your life, what's going out there. But there was a study done about how much we worry. Now, 40% of what we worry about are things that will never happen. Things like maybe if I go to California, I'm going to get caught by the fire. That's never going to happen. And then 30% is things that we, that happened in the past that will never happen, that you can't change. And 13%, 12% is maybe you get a, a rush in your skin and you say to yourself, oh my goodness, I'll go to Google and I'll, and Google tells you you have 10 days to live because you have cancer. 
So that's 12%. It will never happen. And then this 10%, maybe you want to go to Walmart. It's going to close right away. You're stressed. You will never get supper on time. So 92% of what we worry about will never happen. 8% are things that are, that things are legit. So when you're in a relationship, focus on what's really important. Are you worried about the other person? Are you worried of things in the past that are going to affect your relationship? Are you worried of things that will not happen? Love yourself and don't worry about things you cannot control. Control your controllables and love yourself. Change that mindset and just know you are a beautiful person. It doesn't matter what's going on. You will get through this. That's my message to your audience. I challenge them to stop worrying about things they cannot control, whether it's dating or things that are happening around them. And I'll start from there. Uh, you know that that you're a tough act to follow, Harriet, but I'm glad to do so. I, I think people have to allow themselves to become vulnerable. You know, you have to let your vulnerable self come out. But remember, love is one of the few things that you get more by giving. And so, if you allow yourself to to be vulnerable and to give, you will get more of it back. And that's a simple message. It's a very hard message to do. But I think if people follow that message, remember, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. So if you allow yourself to be vulnerable and give, just think how more can come back from that. It's like putting bread on the ocean. It's like putting, putting out that little bit of love, paying forward, like we said, giving to somebody else. Guess how much that's going to pay back to society now? Guess how much better the world's going to be by giving? You know, I can only imagine how much better the world would be by doing that. And that's what I'd love to see at the end of the day. Beautiful. Vulnerability is huge. It's a huge part of the work I do as well. And um, attitude, mindset, these are both these are both pearls of wisdom, golden pearls. And so I really appreciate both of you for sharing. I mean, this is a small part of it. I encourage people to get the book. So tell us how people can find you, find your book. Uh, to get the book, you can log on to www.fantasticlifebook.com. And to get a hold of me personally, it's www.empoweredme.ca. Okay, now about the book, if you buy it from that link, we're going to give 20% to women's charities. We want to end abuse in society, so we're giving to, to women's shelters. And if they buy it from the United States, we'll be giving it to the United States. If they buy it from Canada, we'll be giving it to Canada. That way we can keep track of where it's going. Secondly, is we'll give you free shipping if we, you get it from that link. It will be out any day now, so please do that. Also, I'd like to give a gift to your, your guests today, your audience, and that is if people could text the word Golden Pearls to 1-819-717-2515, 1-819-717-2515, we will give you a Golden Pearl a week for the next 52 weeks so that you can learn more and take away our message and become better at this as well. We really want you to have a fantastic life and we want to help you in achieving that. It's 1-819-717-2915. 2515, You can put that in the show notes yeah. as well if you could. I will do that, yes. I'm, 
And, and people will get a golden pearl for how long? For the next 52 weeks, 52 ah. golden pearls. Picture how amazing that will be in your life. And I'd like to integrate it in your, your audience lives and make it a better place. Awesome. And Alan, what's your website? My website is Dr. D-R, Alan, A-L-L-E-N, Lyca, L-Y-C-K-A, dot com. Dr. Alan Awesome. Well, you both have been such a inspiration and such a pleasure to have on the show. This is this is not our typical show. We usually talk about how to improve your relationship and how to date better. And this is how to improve your whole life, which will improve every relationship. So I appreciate you coming on the show and for doing the beautiful work you do in the world. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. As you know, my colleague here is Ebony and I'm Ivory. You can remember us by that epidemic. Ebony and Ivory were on the show today and we were sure glad to be here, Sandy. You bet. You. And, I, and I think the best relationship you can ever have is with yourself. If you love yourself completely, everybody else should love you as you are. So thank you, Sandy. <laughs> thank you. And thanks everybody for joining us here today. And if you love our show, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And we hope you go on your last first date very soon. 